Hello and welcome to the Cell Phone Junkie. This is show number eight. Thank you for downloading the show after what has basically become a 10-day hiatus from the last time I recorded a show. I was out of town for two trips over that amount of time and was actually on my phone quite a bit. So, you know, really one of the things that I was thinking about uh, over the course of the couple of weeks is how did we ever travel without cell phones? You know, it's one of those things that has come to light, you know, in the past week, few weeks here uh, with everything that's been going on and, and cell phones are one of the items that has been banned or had been banned overseas from flights from the UK over here to the US. But, you know, when you're at the airport or you're traveling around, how did we get along without the cell phone? It is one of the greatest inventions, in my opinion, and that's why I do this show. So, real quick, just wanted to mention that by the next show, show number nine, I will have a co-host that will be, uh, hopefully the show will get published on this coming weekend. So, I'm thinking probably Sunday night, which is August uh, 20th. So, make sure you listen to it so you can find out who it is that's going to be on the show with me. Uh, One of the interesting things that I discovered over the last few weeks was uh, the difference in my cell phone service uh, from my current home, Phoenix, to some of the areas in Minnesota that I traveled over the uh, last weekend. Uh, I basically spent the weekend up in northern Minnesota for uh, a wedding in my family, and it was about two and a half hours north of Minneapolis. And for those of you who are familiar with uh, the state of Minnesota, uh, Interstate 94 was actually the interstate that we traveled up north towards Fargo. And right before we got to Fergus Falls, we cut off of 94 and headed off to the east. So we're talking kind of north-central Minnesota. But anyway, one thing I noticed is there were just a ton of uh, boomer sites. And what a boomer site is is the cell phone tower between 100 and 150 feet. And they have either one or multiple antennas that are located on uh, the tower that will provide just a a very very large area of coverage and I noticed that both that I had excellent coverage pretty much everywhere that I went including the small towns of Ashby and Wadena where I spent most of my time and the service was actually the same or better than I always get when I'm in the Phoenix area which was really really interesting to me I was you know a couple hours north of what is considered the biggest city in the state and there was absolutely no problems with service my coverage was great I was out on on lakes and at a cabin and and it was always two to three bars and you know measuring um, with the queue um, was a little bit interesting but I was able to get into some of the field test screens and was just overall was impressed so but I was on the extended network for Verizon but was able to use the the one XRTT data service with really no issues the only thing I found of course was because of the the data speeds are slower than the EVDO it would send and receive for a little bit longer uh, to to sync email and to pull up web pages but it really wasn't an issue I think I had one call that I missed because it was in the middle of a data session and went to voicemail but my voicemail indicator came through and was able to make a call back real quick so it was a real interesting discovery for me that you know hey doesn't really matter uh, if you're in a big city or a small town cell phone coverage is everywhere Let's throw it right into some news here, and uh, I was talking about the Q, so my first story will be about the Q, and talking about the AKU2 ROM upgrade, and what was the AKU2 ROM upgrade is now gone, and I've got a link here that I'll put in here so you guys can read a little bit about it, but basically what happened was the Motorola engineers have been working to put together the first uh, software upgrade for the Q, and it was, it was ready to hit the streets, and it actually was released uh, for a brief period of time, and what was basically a beta version and Motorola then pulled it back and what they're saying now is they're warning that any damage to your the queue 
uh, from the upgrade to the beta software is not covered by warranty. So make sure that if you are adventurous and you decide that you want to throw in that, that beta uh, ROM upgrade to the queue that your your warranty is not going to be covered if anything happens and it also will it will completely wipe your device clean so any hacks or tweaks or anything that you've done are going to be erased upon that update but from the people that have that have installed it so far they're reporting all around speed increases as well as of course uh, the, the biggest feature of the AKU2 upgrade which is the instant email uh, that comes with the push upgrade um, from uh, the Exchange Server 2003 Service Pack 2 so uh, if you're interested in it, I'm sure it's going to be coming out again. It just is a matter of time as far as when that's going to happen again. But uh, Motorola Q, the upgrade, will be here soon, I'm hoping. I've got my Q, and I'm really looking to get it upgraded as soon as I can so I can try out that uh, real-time push email. Uh, the next story I wanted to talk real quick about is there's been a lot of news over the past two weeks about Blackberries. And in fact, I'm going to put in five separate links into the show notes for Blackberry articles that came out. And really what's going on are a couple different things. Number one, you've got some new devices. There's three new BlackBerry devices that have been announced in the past week. And they are as following. The 8100G, which is also known as the Pearl. And that's the one that's going to be out on GSM networks and probably T-Mobile, according to the photos that have been uh, scattered around. Looks like it's going to be a T-Mobile branded device. That's the 8100G. Then you have the 8703 E is an Edward, and that 8703E is going to be on Verizon most likely, and it's an EVDO BlackBerry. So, uh, kind of interesting, kind of not. I mean, you know, whatever. You can you can get a BlackBerry on Verizon right now, and this was just just looks a little bit better. The real interesting one, at least from my perspective, is the 8707G is in George, and that is a UMTS built-in BlackBerry that can be used for GSM networks. So that's pretty exciting for the people who want to get some really fast email uh, and uh, want to be able to also tether it to their device, uh, their laptop if that's uh, something that you're interested in doing. That uh, was something kind of interesting. Um, anyway, that's the one that I was the most excited about was the 8707G uh, with the UMTS built in. And the other BlackBerry thing that was going on is they're talking about uh, companies' systems that are being hacked now through a BlackBerry. And basically what happened is at, at this year's DEF CON, um, there was a, a speaker there that talked about a program called BlackBerry Proxy or BB Proxy that causes your handheld to give intruders access to your computer's network remotely by tunneling through your device and uh, get directly to your mail server. And once you get on your mail server, as everyone knows, you really that's not an area that your, your company's network is real secure. And so they can get in and do all sorts of different attacks. So, and, but the, the worst thing about this is that the BlackBerry proxy, can this program can easily be delivered you know, to your device, you know, the BlackBerry doesn't have any sort of virus scanner. And so you can just open and, you know, get an email sent to you, open it up. And uh, if you, you know, have a BlackBerry that can open attachments, you go to open this attachment and it launches this program. And then anyone can, that knows how to, can exploit that hole and get into uh, the network of your company. So interesting BlackBerry story there. Uh, moving on to uh, Sprint and what Sprint has been doing here, talking about WiMAX. And there was an article here that was Sprint CEO uh, said that they're going to be putting together uh, bundled service uh, for WiMAX. And they're, they're saying their service is going to provide downloads between uh, 2 and 4 megabit per second downloads and uploads of about uh, 1 megabit per second. So uh, ratcheting that up a notch and really getting 
getting some fast speeds out there. WiMAX is is a pretty exciting technology, and I think Sprint is really doing a a good thing by by jumping on that bandwagon. So, but Sprint hasn't exactly confirmed um, the report. It's just that they're thinking of having the network built out by 2008, and it'll be at a cost of about a billion to somewhere around four billion dollars. Uh, another story here about Skype. For those of you who use Skype, I use it quite a bit. I love it. It's a great voice over IP solution, uh, free solution if you've got other users that use it, or you can always buy your Skype out credits and uh, make telephone calls for really cheap. And uh, one thing that they've announced is the Pocket PC uh, 2.1 beta that was released. And the new version of uh, Skype for Pocket PC will um, have the following things that will be included in it. It's going to have uh, one-click access to Skype uh, from your home screen if you choose to install that uh, shortcut. You get multi-chat support, so you can have multiple conversations going on. Uh, Skype in support, voicemail, call forwarding. Basically everything that you'll find in the regular Skype program is going to be in there. One thing that they do that's really nice is for the folks that are using Skype with a, a Pocket PC a phone device is that they're going to have a GSM call management which is going to really help out with the slower GSM speeds to hopefully kind of get you up there to be able to use this this thing I, I'm not sure if it's going to work or not but you know they're saying Wi-Fi edge or th any 3G network is you're going to be able to use this version of it with it so it'd be interesting to see how that works I'm uh, I've actually used it on a pocket PC in the in the past on on a Wi-Fi network, and it sort of worked for me. I wasn't real impressed. It was it was really uh, I guess the term is Skypey, very garbled, and uh, I was able to do you know no problems typing text back and forth. But other than that, it was pretty tough for me. So be interesting to see what this new version comes out with and how that how that will affect it. Uh, next story, one that was broken on uh, mobility today, and that's Palm announcing a new GPS bundle powered by TomTom and here's basically what's going on I'll give you the short version of the story is that uh, the Bluetooth technology enabled receiver or the, the little unit that will sit on your dashboard uh, identifies uh, the car's position you know through the GPS satellites and then communicates it back to the trio and then displays it on the screen so in, unlike the 6515 this uses a separate uh, uh, little little unit that will sit on your dash and will pick up the GPS signal and send it back and it's really an, a, an exciting uh, thing that has come out for Palm and for the trios to be able to use this now and it uh, I've got a link here that I'm gonna put in there and you can read the fantastic review that was done by Dave Sacconi over at Mobility today uh, going into a couple reviews here actually one thing I want to talk about is one one story that I read that came from the CNN.com site was talking about how Americans don't use text messaging like everyone else. And here's basically what they're saying. You take a look at a company or a, a country like Ecuador, and they've got a per capita gross domestic product of about $4,300. Take a look at the U.S., and we're in excess of $40,000. So we're talking about 10 times the wealth of a company like Ecuador yet the Ecuadorians send about four times as many text messages. And so what, what we're kind of looking at here is that what you have to take a look and have an understanding of how economic and cultural factors will drive the use of people that are using text messaging. And pay-as-you-go cell phone plans are pretty much the norm everywhere else in the, in the world, and those really encourage text messaging because it's a lot cheaper. And so if it's also kind of like why, you know, one reason that people will use this is that you, they don't have PCs to send instant messages or emails. So they're using phones because it's a cheap way of uh, written communication. 
So why do people in some of these countries that have less wealth send over 200 messages a month? Well, we send out an average of about 50 a month per user. The difference is how people have adopted the technology. So take a look back in, 19, in the 1990s when AOL just absolutely exploded. And take a look at the last year, and you've seen MySpace just take off. Basically what you're going to see is these different ways of text input communication um, as they've developed and as they've matured going forward people have adopted them and it takes the critical mass to actually make it something that's going to be used by everyone so when texting starts to take off and get bigger I think it's going to become more of a mass phenomenon and it's kind of just going to all of a sudden come out of nowhere where everyone is texting so it's one of those things we shouldn't really give up on it yet because I think eventually uh, it's going to be something kind of like a camera phone that we accept and we use and it'll be proven you know it's used a lot all overseas but it's just something that uh, you know we're, we're not quite there yet you take a look at some programs like American Idol where they use text messaging to send in vote to send in votes uh, some different programs here one that's mentioned is a program in Finland and you actually can send in text messages and they are displayed up on the screen and you can have a live chat with people that are uh, filming these particular shows so it's kind of a direct communication with them so there's a lot of different obviously opportunities for it and uh, you know one of the things that will really um, help out is is going to be where and when that takes off so my, my bet is that we're probably going to see within the next few years you're going to see it in, in the major cities. You already have people that text, but it's got to really, it's really got to come to something where people are spending less time at a computer and more time on a cell phone than vice versa. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, an interesting story that I, I grabbed from the uh, September uh, 2006 Laptop Magazine was one about uh, a phenomenon called phantom callers. And this is basically what it means, is if you've ever, and I think pretty much everyone has been in this situation, you ever hear your phone ringing or feel it vibrating to pick it up and look at it and realize that no one was actually calling you? And what it is is a phenomenon that uh, actually happens quite a bit, and the name of it is phantom calling. And here's how it works. Uh, a regular phone, uh, it will actually, using it, will train you to react to your specific ringtone or the, the vibration of your phone. So when you hear the first note or two of the sequence of your ringer, or you feel something that's similar to the, your phone vibrating, you actually anticipate the rest of the sequence that's going to happen, and it will prompt you to think that your phone is actually ringing. I thought that was a very interesting story. So, you know, one of those things, you're, you're not crazy if this has actually ever happened to you, or well, maybe you are, and you're just not the only one that's crazy. But anyway, phantom calling. Uh, another interesting uh, little tidbit here, kind of a, a, a tip. If you uh, have ever spent any time on the internet and watched any videos, you've probably headed over to YouTube. And YouTube can now be used directly from your cell phone. And YouTube, if, if you don't know what it is, it's a viral internet service that basically makes people stars by shooting you know, footage, video footage, and hosting that back up onto the internet. And so many camera phones have video capture, ca or capture capabilities, but really not many people take the time out to use it because there's not a real easy way to share it. So here are the steps that you can do to uh, take, some, say, take some video with your cell phone and host it up on the YouTube site. So you go to www.youtube.com slash mobile, then you click on create new mobile profile, and you fill out all the registration stuff, and then you click sign up. 
basically what it'll do then is it'll kick you back to the first screen that you were on uh, where you signed in and you click uh, create mobile profile again then you confirm your email address and send uh, or click send email and it will send an email to yourself then you go check your email and click on the link and then it will get you back to the same screen and then you enter in your your settings your descriptions for your profile and a confirmation screen will come up and will give you an email address as to where you can email your videos and you know take a video with your phone email the video clip to the email address that's provided and then go back to the YouTube site click on my video and you'll see your video there typically there, there's a, a few different I was playing with this earlier and there's a few different things options that you can choose you can actually have it where it sends you a text message just to let you know that everything went okay uh, you can uh, put in all sorts of descriptors and information about how you wanted to share all these videos and stuff because when you're when you take it with the phone and then you you upload it up to the site there's not a whole lot of information you can enter there so but once it gets on the site then you can go back in and do different things so interesting uh, YouTube uh, mobile so you can get your videos from your phone up on YouTube next I want to talk quickly about uh, some interest that I've uh, received in some recent emails and whatnot and that is for some of the Symbian based devices and I wanted to talk real briefly here about the Nokia E61 smartphone I started taking a look and at some point I'd like to pick up one of these devices myself and play around with it a little bit and this one really kinda piqued my interest because of the thumb board on it and it just looked like a real stable device so uh, phonescoop.com had a great review on this device so I thought I'd talk a little bit about what their features are for it or, and uh, basically what they what they thought about it here and you know, for those of you who come from Windows mobile devices you're gonna find the menu system is gonna be of course a little bit different uh, but the pros to it are is that the battery life is well over two days when you're um, when you're using it on a pretty hard basis you know with the edge and, and Wi-Fi on it and then throw in you know a few hours of phone calls you're gonna get about two days or maybe even a little bit more the stated times for the battery life are about seven hours of talk time and eleven days of standby time so for a smartphone that's really good um, I'm, I know I'm not the only one my battery battery life is is terrible on the queue and I get on average about uh, at the most uh, a day and a half out of that usually I'm charging it every night because I don't want to push it uh, some of the other pros the RF on it is really good it's a Nokia it works really well with the GSM networks and so you're gonna have good uh, solid signal strength there call quality speakerphone quality is really good the OS uh, one thing that most people that use the Symbian like about it is the fact that it's an extremely stable operating system. Symbian is uh, very uh, very well known for not having the crashes like you find with Palm and Windows. Uh, the menus are fast and the OS is uh, fast in general. It does have off office applications installed uh, as well as a PDF reader and you can either uh, and also of course downloadable applications as well. You can use ActiveSync through an Exchange server and which is uh, what what the reviews are saying is actually a little bit faster than Windows Mobile 5 and it has a real nice browser on it so you can open up multiple windows zoom in and out and uh, you know you can also you know add bookmarks the only complaint about the actual web surfing experience was that it was a little bit difficult to import bookmarks uh, for your web browser so that was something that they said that they could work on some of the other cons no A2DP profile so if you're a big Bluetooth stereo person um, you're not going to be able to use the A2DP profile on there. No built-in GPS, but a Bluetooth will work uh, with a simple, uh, you know, built-in. Um, uh, or sorry, you can add on an exist or a separate GPS unit and be able to use the GPS on the device. Uh, 
Um, and that's once they get some stuff out that's compatible, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not familiar with anything that's out there. But uh, anyway, no word completion software that's out there uh, or that's, that's on the device. So while you're typing it in, it doesn't complete the words for you uh, like on Windows. And the number pad, I guess, has got some slightly unusual positions for some of the keys. And the menu system is different if you're not used to it. So, and, and no, of course, no touchscreen with the Symbian. So if you're used to some of the Windows-based devices, or of course, Palm as well, where you have a touchscreen, you're not going to get it with this. Um, moving on, it seems like every show I talk about the chocolate. And I'm not really sure why, but it just seems to come up every show. I found a great article, again, from phonescoop.com, where they reviewed the chocolate device. And I just wanted to kind of glean just a few things. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but a lot of people are going to buy this phone pretty much for looks alone. That's kind of what I've resided to the fact of that it's probably a, a, a good phone and it has good battery life, you know, Bluetooth, you know, you know, music and messaging and all that stuff. But pretty much people are going to buy it because of the way it looks. So for those of you who are listening, which I'm sure is a lot of, of the people uh, that are the power users, you know, they're gonna, you're going to experience some frustrations and, you know, it, it looks really nice, but it's, it's really not going to be a phone for you. Uh, it's a good phone for those common tasks. And uh, so, again, I'll post a link here so you can take a look at it and, and uh, decide for yourself what you think of it. But, you know, I think this is probably going to be one of the last things I say about it unless something just phenomenal comes out about it. But, you know, it, it, it had so much hype, and I was really excited about it. And I, I read a really in-depth review, and I just kind of said, eh, it looks nice, and that's about it. So uh, moving on here, I've got some questions. I've actually got five questions. So... Uh, I'm going to try and go through these as quick as I can here. Question, first of all, from Brian. And Brian mentioned that on one of the recent shows, I, uh, I mentioned how data plans uh, were, were very uh, erroneous and uh, interesting when you exceed your threshold. And so he says he did some comparisons ago on, a, on some of the Canadian plans that they have up, up there and some of the plans for BlackBerry usage. And what he's saying is that one additional megabyte can be as high as uh, 26 U.S. dollars. And for the low usage plans and down to about three dollars uh, per additional megabyte for the high volume plans so he has a few questions first question is how closely do people monitor their data usage or do they just generally look at their their total bill and as long as it's under a certain amount they don't care well r honestly Brian I don't think that that many people that have the data here in the US uh, don't have the unlimited plans for this very reason. Having to monitor and track your data usage isn't really that much fun and it can be difficult especially if your phone is constantly downloading and checking email and doing different things like that. So you know what I honestly I look at my bill and I see that I use between 100 and 200 megabytes per month but I'm on an unlimited plan so I don't ever have to really worry about how much I use. Uh, second question is if you go over your plan's data limit and get whacked with a huge excess usage charge has uh, well, what has been the experience in dealing with the carriers? If you sign up for the next largest bucket, are they willing to apply uh, the excess usage charge against your next month's uh, higher plan fee? And you know, to answer that, I think sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, when you when you take a look at at, at the other side of it, the minute side of it, I've been in an experience before where I've had uh, accidentally gone over my minutes, and it was time for me to get a, a higher plan, just because I was using my phone so much, and you know, it was time to upgrade. So I. It, and they actually did that thing. I went over and I called and I said, look, I'd like to upgrade to the next higher tier. If I do so, can we, we knock off that portion of the bill that was my usage? And they said yes. So, But I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, but I'm saying it probably has. And then the third question is, are there any features or downloadable applications for the, uh, for the phone 
smartphone slash PDA to alert you uh, when you be, be nearing your limit? What a great question that is because I have an answer and this is the, uh, I would call it the freeware of the week, but I don't have a freeware of the week, so we're just going to call it the freeware of Wednesday, and that is MinuteWatcher.com. And MinuteWatcher is a great service that tracks your minute usage, um, any sort of roaming charges that may be incurred, internet usage, and also text messaging. And then what it does is it, it forecasts out your expected usage, it sends you status reports via email, gives you detailed information on an online site, and will also give you those early warnings when your usage is too high. So it's a really kind of cool service that can be extremely useful. The one downside of it is that it will not work with the T-Mobile service. T-Mobile has blocked the service from going into their servers and pulling this information. So if you have T-Mobile, you won't be able to use it. Question from Sean. Sean says, hey, what's going on? My name is Sean, and I'm trying to find a list of cell sites from uh, in Arizona, preferably, preferably for all the carriers. I saw your name on a few of the bulletins, so I was wondering if you may be able to help me out. I was also wondering if you knew who I could, how I could get in contact with the owners of the specific cell sites. And it's actually a really good question. And I've got a, a couple links that I'll, I'll throw in here for you to look at. The first one is one that I talked about a few shows ago. And that is a resource called antennasearch.com. When you go to antenna search, what you'll find is um, you'll be able to type in an address, click on the results that it will show you. It'll show you the antennas that are located in your general vicinity. You can then click on um, the, any of the results that come up, the little uh, towers that will show you on a map, and it will give you some fairly detailed information um, in there, but not all of it is there. I mean, you can find things like, for example, the owner and maybe the address of the owner of the site. Maybe not. Maybe a phone number. Maybe not. So, But th there are some that, that do have all that information listed in there. Another interesting site that I, I spend a lot of time on is a site out here in, uh, in the western U.S. It's called mountainwireless.com. And Mountain Wireless has all sorts of great information about, about cell sites and the, um, I mean, just everything. And they've got an SID listing, so that will list all the, the cell phone um, SIDs that are out there. Um, one, one other site that I just thought of here that actually you could always go to is FCC.gov. Um, all the towers and antennas that are registered can be found on there. So that's a, obviously a great source. Um, uh, Eric, and I've mentioned Eric before. He's got a question from me here. Eric is actually uh, the person who created the, the logo that you see on your screen or on your iPod uh, for the cell phone junkie. So he's got some questions on the queue. And the first question is, uh, he wants to know about the internet. And he says, is the internet an add-on feature? If so, what is the limit per, much and, per month and how much is the feature? And yes, the internet is an add-on. It's an extra $40 per month for unlimited usage. And I would suggest that if you are going to go with a queue, I would highly recommend that you get the unlimited uh, usage because otherwise you're going to run up a, a really high bill very quickly because the phone uses the data connection for all sorts of different stuff. And really, you're not going to be able to get full use out of the device without uh, a data connection on it. What's the limit? Well, the limit is unlimited, but it's actually limited. And from everything that I've found, it looks like it's about a 10 gigabyte limit per month. And once you go over that 10 gigabyte limit, they will then uh, potentially can can revoke your uh, your privileges to use the, their data service and will actually terminate that portion of your contract. Second question is, can you visit sites like uh, the WAP version of wirelessadvisor.com and full sites like Weather the, the Weather Channel? Also, can I stream internet radio uh, with via the built-in media player? 
Uh, some great questions there. The Internet Explorer uh, that is built in actually kind of replicates Internet Explorer 4.0. It isn't 4.0, but websites see the browser as such. So because of this, you can't view the WAP side of uh, some of the different websites that are out there, but you can go to the .mobi sites, .mobi, like uh, weather.mobi, and you get formatted content that fits well in the screen. And yes, you can stream audio. I do it all the time. I use either Xtreme XM or Mini XM to stream my satellite XM radio. Uh, is Java built into the phone? Can I use Java programs such as the Weather Channel on the phone and AOL uh, that use this data? And yes, you can, but I don't think it's built in. You have to install it separately. Uh, does Verizon monitor the data sent and received? Uh, kind of. I mentioned that before. You pay for unlimited, but basically it means for 10 gigabytes per month. Uh, so if you go back and listen to some of the other podcasts, you'll hear me talk about a story where uh, one of the, uh, I believe it was Consumer Affairs, had their account canceled on them because they had used over 10 gig a month, supposedly. Uh, next question is, do you have to re-sign a contract to add the internet feature? Nope, it's an add-on. Uh, let's see, can I use the broadband feature when not in EVDO areas? And if so, is it unlimited? And yes, you can. It does drop down from the 400 to 700 kbps to about 100 kbps, which is still pretty good, but yes, it is unlimited like the EVDO is. How is reception and battery life on the queue? Um, how was it uh, in your areas, in your known areas, known weak areas in Arizona, excuse me. And for me, it's pretty good. Uh, it's been a few years since I used Verizon last, but they're all around a very good provider here in the Phoenix area. You know, over the, the time that I've had it, I've been to uh, California and Colorado and Minnesota, and really it's been uh, great all around. You know, I have service in 99.9% .9 of the places that I've been. Um, the one drawback is that the battery life is terrible. I mentioned it before, you have to have the extended battery if you're going to do any sort of, of pull, push or trigger pull email services. Uh, if you don't have it, you can maybe get eight hours out of it. So um, with, the ex with the extended battery, I get a full day. I mean, I can go well over a day, uh, but it will on the second day, it will die. How's the brightness in direct light areas, he asked next. Uh, fine, I've never really had an issue with that. Uh, next, how is the invoice volume and ringtone volume on the queue? They seem to be okay. They're not anything great, but you know they're a lot better than my IPAC 6515 that I had before I switched. And uh, lastly, how is the Bluetooth on the phone? And... Honestly, Eric, it's one of the best you'll find out there. Uh, it's the built-in program for Bluetooth is just great. So I highly recommend uh, that if you use Bluetooth, that you'll be perfectly fine with this device. It's great. Next question is from Scott. Scott asked, do you know uh, if anyone sells a jack or splitter or a device that allows someone to have two headsets with microphones plugged into one cell phone so two people can be on one end of the conversation? Well, I've never really tried it. I can only imagine that you can get some sort of that type of thing at a Radio Shack. What you're looking for is a 2.5 millimeter jack, and not to be confused with the 3.5 millimeter jack you'll find on like your iPod or your CD player. Um, as far as how it works, I'm not really sure how the volume adjustments and different uh, mixing of the the voices would go, would would fall in and how they would all come in. But what from what I could see, the the audio that would be coming from the phone should be okay. Uh, you know, take take a look, Google it. I found some different options out there, but basically it looks like they kind of rebrand the concept of a 2.5 millimeter jack splitter. So uh, you may be paying for something that you could get, you know, for just paying, you know, get it for something you can get for a couple bucks at Radio Shack. So anyway, just uh, wanted to again say thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the show. I wanted to keep the show. Um, even though it's been about 10 days since I've done it uh, at uh, 30 minutes here and we're just coming up on 32 minutes so that's pretty good for me 
Um, I'm happy with that. So again, make sure you listen to the next show. Hopefully by the end of this weekend, I should have that one out. I will have uh, a co-host with me and you're going to have to listen uh, to find out who that is. So until next time, take care. 